Hello from the children of planet Earth. Hi, I'm Dr. Alan Duffy. And I'm Dr. Amanda Bauer. We're astronomers. And in this podcast, we talk about the astronomy that excites us. Like, galaxies are getting further apart as the space between them grows. That feeling you get when you realize that what's driving that growth is the empty space itself? That's what we call cosmic vertigo. Five, four, three, two, one. One, two, three, four, five, five, four, three, two, one. End of test. So dark energy isn't, I guess that's not even the start of the story. I guess we should really explain the absolutely incredible idea that everything is actually moving away from everything else on average. Yeah, when we look out in the universe, absolutely every single thing that we look at, every galaxy is moving away. And the craziest part of this observation is that the galaxies that are farther from us are moving away faster and if they're farther than that, they're moving away even faster. And I want to make it clear that it's not just that they're flying apart from us. If you go to any galaxy in the universe and you do these same observations, that galaxy also sees every other galaxy zooming away from it faster and faster the farther they are. This is mind-blowing, really. <laughs> yeah, so in the 1920s, Edwin Hubble measured the distance to various galaxies. He was using the biggest telescope at the time. It was a 100-meter telescope in California. 100 meters? That's I mean... a big telescope. <laughs> but not as big as we die build, right? We build 500-meter <laughs> telescopes in China. Uh, just continue. I'm going to take a breath. <laughs> <laughs> so Edwin Hubble measured the distance to various distant galaxies, and he also measured the effective speed at which those galaxies were moving. Now, we've introduced this idea before, the spectra of the light, the, the chemical fingerprint when you break up that light from a galaxy into its rainbow constituents. And you can get a super accurate measure of its speed because if it moves away from you, that light is stretched, appearing redder. And if it's coming towards you, that light is compressed and you get a sort of bluer tinge to the galaxy. Everywhere, effectively every galaxy he looked at was redder than expected. And moving away. The further they were away, the, the redder, redder they were. This is an astounding moment in our world view because really until this point, I think conceptually people had been very comfortable with the eternal universe. Yeah, the, were the steady state theory that we always had been and we always would be and there was no definitive beginning and there maybe wouldn't be any particular end. Because the galaxies are moving away, one way to visualize that is often the painting little galaxies onto a balloon and then inflating that balloon and you see how they can all grow apart from all the others. I don't like that analogy for a couple of reasons, but I think a better one and a tastier one is to bake a cake and you throw raisins in that cake mix and your raisins are your galaxies. And then as the cake grows, they all move away from each other in three dimensions. But critically, the raisins themselves don't get stretched because that's what's yeah, happening with the, the raisins. And that's stay the totally same wrong. So the idea of the galaxies moving away from each other, that is what we perceive to be happening in the sense of a change in their speed, that literally they have a speed away from us. But that's not really the case. They're not moving at those speeds. Instead, 
it's because the distance between them is increasing. The, the space, space itself. is growing. The space in between the galaxies is actually growing, which is just, I mean, nothing it's crazy. is growing. <laughs> That's where this idea of dark energy comes in. This is the name that we give to this nothing that is now the something that is apparently causing space to expand. It still boggles my mind to think, how can the galaxies farther away from us move faster than the ones nearby? So if you think of sitting in a theater, and let's say you are in the center seat, and I am on one side of you, and Alan. Wait, what are we seeing? Are we seeing Star Wars? Oh, well, I mean, the new one, maybe? They keep coming out every few years, so. Are we going to see Interstellar? Hmm, that one's out. We are not seeing Interstellar. <laughs> I will go with the fifth element or the new Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a little hipster, but yeah, sure. Okay, we'll go to a screening, a re-screening of The Fifth Element. It's a good movie, man. Yeah, it's all right. Whatever you want, hipster or not, it's a good movie. <laughs> so we're sitting in our theater, we're watching this show. Listener, you are in the center, and Alan is on one side of you, and I am on the other side. Let's say during a time of this movie, the theater magically expands by one cinema seat. And so how we're going to do that is that Alan moves one seat away from you and I move one seat away from you on the other side. So there is one seat between you and Alan and one seat between you and me. So you see that each of us have expanded one seat. But what I see is that you've expanded one seat, but Alan has expanded two seats away from me. So he starts two seats away and moves twice as far. You start one seat away and move one times as far. So this is how galaxies twice as far move twice as fast away from us. And what that implies is the universe's expansion is a constant number in the sense that one seat expansion gives you this increasingly rapid perceived velocity away from everyone or at least distance is increasing. We have that number. We call it the Hubble constant and this is going to mean much, but it's 70 kilometers a second per megaparsec. Kind of a funky little unit there. It's pretty <laughs> grim. In other words, if you see a object that is a megaparsec away, which is a million parsecs, which is 3 million light years, give or take, then on the average, it will be traveling 70 kilometers a second away from you. If it's two megaparsecs away, so the two seats in the theater it's not going to be traveling at 140 kilometers a second away from you. And so it goes. So the Hubble constant describes the rate that the universe is expanding at. So given the distance between two galaxies, you can tell in the future how far apart they're going to be. And if you go backwards, you can see how close they were at a time in the past. And therefore, we can see at some point in the past, they would have been on top of each other. And that's essentially what we call the Big Bang. And that allows us to say how old the universe is. Rewinding that video and they all rush together. How long has it taken them to get to the state that they are now? And that number's been refined and refined and refined over the last many years, but it's sitting tight at 13.7 billion years right now. What an idea. We can actually measure the age of our universe. We can just look out and understand these tiny little people on this tiny little planet, this actually really small solar system in a kind of boring galaxy. And we have looked out and we have clocked the age of the entire visible universe. And we've found some pretty funky, weird things about it too. Yeah, so the expansion of the universe is a natural consequence of the Big Bang. And so what we're assuming is that that expansion was always the same. That all changed though. When Brian Schmidt, Saul Perlmutter, and Adam Rees, and 
all of their team of astronomers went to measure how fast that expansion was occurring and noted something truly mind-boggling, that the expansion was actually accelerating. And why that's mind-boggling is because the gravity of all of the objects, all of the dark matter of the galaxies, should be pulling back on each other. And the initial impulse, that initial expansion from the Big Bang, should be slowing down over time as the gravity was trying to, try yeah. to pull back on that. You would imagine the gravity of the stuff in the universe would slow down that expansion, and it would cause the expansion to either slow down and come back, or, you know, maybe just kind of go forever, but not really start accelerating. Like, <laughs> that's yeah. not what your intuition would say at all. Absolutely not. I mean, this is the equivalent of throwing an apple up, and it doesn't come back down, it hovers, and worse yet, it begins to drift away. And the further it gets away from you, the faster it accelerates away. You would obviously question the world at that point. Well, I think of a little kid who loses their poor helium balloon, and they're like, oh... <laughs> Yeah, we weren't like, oh, we were like, oh, wow, this, no. is a, this is a crazy discovery. I was sad. So crazy that those three gentlemen got the Nobel Prize for this discovery of the acceleration of the expansion of the universe. They didn't discover what was doing the accelerating. But the idea that best fits current observations, it is by no means perfect, is dark energy, a type of stuff that can actually cause this expansion of, of space and it is super weird to make how, how weird that concept is i just want to remind everyone what space actually is so we start with a room remove all the air just all of it scoop out all of those atoms keep pumping those atoms out you're trying to create the most perfect vacuum or emptiness that has ever been created on earth now you have to go a hundred times emptier than that. A hundred times more empty than anything that has ever been created on Earth. And now you're finally getting close to how empty space actually is. The vacuum in space that we're trying to create is something like two hydrogen atoms in a cubic meter versus the air around you, which on average has 20 billion trillion atoms. It's not very much. I know, there's nothing. There's so little of anything floating around in the space between everything out there. So when I say that that space is empty, I really mean that. I really mean, apart from those two atoms in that bit of it, there's nothing, conceptually nothing. So the very last thing that you would expect to see is then there's something coming from that emptiness. Yeah, what is causing the galaxies to increase their distance between each other to get farther and farther apart? You wouldn't think that the answer would be the more emptiness there is, the quicker it seems to be expanding the universe. Yeah, it is a fundamentally bizarre idea that there's some kind of, yeah, and I'm gonna use this horrible phrase, but it's a really good description, anti-gravity coming from the very empty space itself. Now, why I'm saying it's anti-gravity is because, or the technical term is negative pressure, is because anything, mass, energy, always has gravity, will always try to pull other stuff towards it. So for you to postulate that there's something else in the universe, but that it's not doing that, it's actually effectively Pushing increasing. Stuff away. That yeah. is in that is just Yeah. What it is, how it actually does this, we don't really know. So we should just, you know, let's call it a day. We're done. <laughs> Next season Vertigo, um, <laughs> yeah, we, we have solved out. dark energy. And been awarded our Nobel Prizes. <laughs> I want to make clear the dark energy isn't reaching out mystically and pushing the galaxies. The galaxies are actually not really moving at all. The amount of space 
between is increasing. The effect of which is that those galaxies are now further away, but there's no action on them. There's no mystical, and I'm picturing an orangey glowing hand of dark energy <laughs> that's pushing. It is not that kind of a of force. There's another way to think about it. It doesn't just affect galaxies and their positions relative to each other sitting in space-time. It also affects light. Light that some distant star in some distant galaxy has emitted travels across space to us. It travels at the speed of light, so... Just using that, we know how far away it was when it was emitted. But what that photon of light does not know is that as it's traveling, all of space-time is expanding and accelerating because of this dark energy thing. So space-time is stretching out. So that photon of light gets stretched out, loses energy from what it was when it was emitted from that star. And we calculate that. We see that. We know it. We use that to determine how far away that galaxy was when it emitted that light. So it's just an inherent part of space-time. It's the stretching of that light that makes it appear redder, that makes the galaxy appear redder, which Hubble attributed to them physically moving from us. But, but now actually, the picture is it's all of space that's just kind of stretching out and expanding, and the galaxy happens to be sitting in that space, and so it goes with it. And one of the consequences of expanding space is that it takes ever longer for light from ever more distant objects to reach us. And what that means in practice is there's some point in the universe that is so far away from us. We will never be able to see it. Because as the light, the picture of that galaxy travels towards us, the distance between us is increasing at a greater rate than it can travel. And we will never get the updated picture. Now, this brings on one of the quirks of the universe. Nothing can travel faster than the speed of light, but those far distant galaxies the space between them is expanding so much that it appears that they might be. If you bring that back to our cinema seat analogy, if you have a row that's long enough to have 300 million people in it... It's a big screen. It's a big cinema. I mean, let's say this is on Jupiter. <laughs> this is not restricted to, uh, to Earth. <laughs> so we've jumped to Jupiter. We're sitting in this mega cinema. We're watching a really great movie. Let's just say we haven't even thought of how good this movie is going to be yet. So if the person on the other end of that row, if we all expand one seat. If those seats got added in one second and those seats are one meter across, no, they have literally traveled 300 million meters in one second. That person at 300 million seats away from you is actually expanding faster than the speed of light away from you. And anyone beyond that seat is moving even faster than that. Yep. If you want to break the superluminal barrier, the speed of light, you just add an extra couple of seats to you your 300 million. Go watch go. a movie on Jupiter. That's all you do. I just want to point out that although that sounds like a crazy theater, that's... <laughs> and, and yes, obviously it is. Please tell me it's there. <laughs> 300 million seats. That's... Most blockbusters are watched potentially by that many people. So you just imagine like the latest... Let's go back to the greatest ever film, Interstellar. <laughs> Watched by, I don't know, probably more than 300 million so people. Everyone who has ever seen Interstellar. Let's we all sat and watched it together. Put the groaners on one side and the lovers on the other side. <laughs> and you are now on your own in the groaning section. And then I will be farther than the speed of light away from yeah. you. <laughs> if all of those seats increased by one and we could just get rid of you and you would have traveled away from us at the speed of light. Then we would never have to speak of it again because we physically wouldn't be able to. <laughs> I couldn't. I, I literally couldn't see your tears as you were being made to watch this film again. You could not see my eyes roll. <laughs> so, I'm Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. Our 
universe has a couple of possible futures and, well, none of them are good, let's be honest. One is that there's so much stuff out there that all of the gravity can pull back and stop the expansion and put it into reverse and everything rushes together and we get the opposite of Big Bang, we get a big crunch. Ganab gib. That is definitely no longer on the cards. And that is because of this dark energy. Pesky it, dark energy. It won the battle between gravity and it about six billion years ago. And ever since that time, it is increasingly dominant in this growth of the universe. Which means we will continue to expand. We will continue to have the distances between the galaxies grow so that these galaxies become ever more isolated. And not just expand, but expand faster and faster and faster. It's a really sad future because the darkness of space just increases and continues to grow. And the amount of galaxies we can actually see decreases. So right now we live in a very special time. We've got stars in the night sky. We've got other galaxies we can look at. But the number of galaxies out there that are going to be visible to our eyes physically decreases and decreases as space-time expands, as the universe expands. That just means that the galaxies become isolated, so you have to rely on whatever is gravitationally bound. Right, so we shouldn't specify this. Our solar system is safe. All the planets are stuck around the sun. The local group? The local group of galaxies, us, Andromeda, our 100 nearest neighbors, we are stuck by gravity. Actually, over time, a lot of those are going to combine, crash into each other to create one big galaxy. So this stuff is not under the influence of dark energy. It's being affected by gravity, so dark matter. So we'll end up in, and we're talking trillions of years, the objects have pretty much all collided. A lot of the gas, if not all of the gas, has formed stars. Effectively all that's left in the Duffy Dromeda shake. Is that where we went with? Duffy milkshake. The Duffy milkshake is essentially these almost immortal tiny stars that have yeah, been... Yeah, the leftover stars, the embers, they're just fading. They're burning and burning and burning, and it takes forever for them to lose. Well, not forever. That's a different time frame. <laughs> yeah. It takes them a very long time to finally flicker out. So no more new stars. Even the tiny dwarf stars have used up their fuel, have burned away over the course of about a trillion years or so. And all of these galaxies have supermassive black holes in their center. And they get to grow. They get to grow. So as the stars slowly start to flicker out and flicker out and flicker out, we're left with a universe full of supermassive black holes. Occasionally a passing star or the dead remaining core of a white dwarf, now long since cooled to a black dwarf or a neutron star, they fall in and there's a little burst of energy. So in the true darkness, the very end of the universe, these monsters, these supermassive black holes, flare into life. Like once every few trillion years or something. Like It'll be super not, exciting. It's not a frequent event. <laughs> we are now talking about hundreds of trillions of years into the far off future. The black holes begin to noticeably shrink. They are losing material. It's just at such an impossibly slow rate that you have to use these ridiculous amounts of time. Yeah, the people who study notice. this have created new chunks of time, like trillions and trillions and trillions of years are now one unit of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So trillions of those units of time into the future is now where we're stuck with like a bunch of black holes and a very cold universe and nothing really, I mean, the space is so huge that there's nothing for anything to crash into. So it just keeps traveling if it exists in a very boring 
existence. So we're in the age of the black holes. Those black holes begin to evaporate, slowly shrink in size. And crazy amounts of time later, even those black holes have now gone. And all that is left is a super empty universe that is very cold. It is effectively close to absolute zero as you can get. And... So we're at the end of the universe. There's nothing more to happen. We're this done. is the heat death. This of is the, the heat universe. death. The mathematical term for this is that entropy has increased, and entropy in any physical process will tend to increase. This is the idea of going from something ordered to disordered. So your mug sitting on the table, ordered. Chances are, if you knock it off the table, it will smash into lots of pieces. That's disordered. You will never see the opposite happen that that mug will spontaneously reassemble itself. We always go from ordered states, that is low entropy, to disorder states, which is high entropy. Crack your egg. It's always cracked. Yeah, it doesn't tend to uncrack. Or if you do manage to somehow make the mug whole again or the egg uncracked, that cost an enormous amount of energy. So mm, yeah. the universe has lost overall. And that just means that the arrow of time, the heat death of the universe is unavoidable. This concept was actually formulated by Boltzmann, who created the equations of entropy. And he has that beautiful equation that guarantees the death of everything and possibility and energy. <laughs> oh, what a great thing to do with your life, guaranteeing he, the death of everything. <laughs> well, he, he did kill himself, but... Oh, okay, I, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, sorry. Awkward. And on his tombstone is engraved that equation. The equation that effectively predicts the death of the universe. S equals K times log W. Short equation, impossibly huge in its outcomes. That's actually the nice end for the universe, by the way. <laughs> because if dark energy isn't the cosmological constant instead, if it's something that increases in its strength in a little pocket, not just that there's more of it, but actually the strength, relatively speaking, the pressure, actually, to be technical, is increasing. Whew, then it starts to get exciting again. <laughs> so. The big rip. This is a runaway process where you've got more energy coming from dark energy and the universe starts to expand faster and faster and faster and faster. And this is the last possible outcome, this big rip. Basically, it just becomes so strong that it actually begins to stretch apart even gravitationally bound objects. Now you start with the most loosely bound objects, which are actually galaxies. So the stars themselves begin to drift apart. Then you take apart even the planets between them and their stars. And now you go in and even the planets begin to break apart like a giant tidal force. Then you go in and the rubble that's left over, that begins to break apart. And then you zoom into the atom and even the electrons begin to break apart from the proton. And then you go into the proton, and even the protons begin to break apart. Then you go into space-time itself, the actual fabric of whatever that is, and that shreds too. On what time scale is this? No time soon. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda, I get asked this question a lot, and I would love to know what your answer is. What is the universe expanding into? Uh, nothing. Not the nothing. Oh, do you mean there's an edge to it? Where not, there's just a nothing afterwards? Not the nothing that is accelerating the universe, but it's, it is the universe that's expanding. There's not an edge to the universe. It's not expanding into anything. It's the entire universe is just getting bigger. That feels satisfying. <laughs> I believe that, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's satisfying. I think it's horrible. No, it's... I think the idea that 
We're not expanding into anything. There's no edge. We're just going on infinitely. I don't think that's satisfying at all. No, but, of course not. You know, that's the way it is. So <laughs> you can have the universe expand into itself. If it's infinite, then it just keeps going and there's just more of it for it to expand into. So that's, I always feel like that's a cheat of an answer, you yeah, know? Yeah, and the other cheat answer that I kind of like to or give. Or the space itself is expanding. Space between. itself is expanding. Uh, but the, the visible part that we can actually see what we call the cosmic horizon, where because of the speed of light that's constant, we can't see beyond that. So that sort of does have an edge. It has a definable surface to it where we can't see beyond that. And then we have no reason to believe that the universe beyond that doesn't just keep on going. But, you know, where it goes, that's not really even a reasonable question. It is the universe. So let's take a bet. 10 years from now, I'm very confident. Like, I'll take the bet that we have identified what dark matter is. 10 years from now, I say we still don't know what dark energy is. I say five years from now, we got dark matter. And the dark energy? Uh, definitely not in 10 years, I don't think. Okay. Do you think it's a type of energy, like a vacuum energy, or do you think it's a misunderstanding of gravity? I, I think it's probably an incompleteness in our theory of gravity. I think there's gotta be something we're not quite getting. Dark energy is tough, and that is why it will not be solved anytime soon. That's all the Cosmic Vertigo we've got for you this time. I'm Amanda Bauer. And I'm Alan Duffy, and this is produced by Joel Werner. In the next episode, this happens. You are such a leftover. <laughs> But, like, but way to go. Way to hang on. We, we, way to bash the competition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>